You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, it's turkey season all over the country right now, and if you're looking for a turkey shot that is just going to slam turkeys dead, you need to check out the Heavyweight TTS. Now, it comes in a variety of gauges, whether you shoot a, a 410, a 12 gauge, or a 20 gauge, this is the turkey shot for you. A lot of cool things going on with this. It has 22% denser material than a standard tungsten, uh, 56% denser than lead. So what this means is that at longer distances, you're getting higher velocities and a more consistent patterning. It has a full length wad that prevents direct contact off of the extra hard pellets and the bore. And long story short, that protects the barrel. If you want to find out more information about federal premium ammunition, visit federalpremium.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And on today's show, we talk about what to do when nothing else works. So when you're in the woods hunting and all of your your well-intentioned plans just seem to not be working when you're striking out. I, I know I've been there. I'm sure everybody's been there. You had a great game plan and uh, it just fell apart. So... We start off talking about turkey hunting because that's sort of top of mind right now. But we also talk about deer hunting. And Jeff even throws in some uh, squirrel tips and a fishing tip at the end. So make sure to listen all the way to the end for that. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So I'm sure everybody here before too long is going to start running cameras and and watching antler growth and using scent to get deer to stop in front of your camera for a minute and get a good picture of them is a great thing to do it works well and mastin's makes a good scent for that so they've got any kind of liquid scent you want they've got scented gel crystals they've got their scent dripper which is really kind of slick because the the scent bottles fit right into the sleeve for their scent dripper so you screw the scent dripper top on flip the thing over and hang it and there's no pouring liquid into another bottle or anything like that so super clean 
basically no way to get that stuff on your hands and minimizes the amount of human scent going on on the thing. So lots of good options there with Mastins. If you're interested in trying that stuff, you can go to MastinsDeerScents.com or if that's too hard to spell or something, go to OhioHuntsman.com sponsors and there's a link to their website. You can browse all of their products, check their prices, order, and they'll ship it right to your house. Now with that, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? Okay, so, for the... It's been a while since, a couple episodes since all three of us have been on, right? We, we had a little bit of a technical faux pas last week, and so it's been a few episodes, right? Yeah, it's it's been a while, yeah, because I was out of a couple, and then like you said, we had a little technical issue last week, so you and Jeff had to pick up and finish that one up. Yeah, and that's just kind of... I think that's just kind of the nature of every, at least for us, right? Like we're, we're, you know, Amanda and I are working from home right now and, you know, it's like kind of in survival mode. I mean, we're still working and getting paid and everything. So we're, you know, in that regard, we're, we're very much blessed. But as far as like figuring out how to work with having Ella here and (laughs) standing behind you all day, daddy, 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 (laughs) it's like... Yeah. What? So. Yeah, I think I was talking to uh, my neighbor, and everybody always said, you know, oh, I wish I could work from home. I think a lot of people are going to change their mind after this. They realize it's not as easy as they thought. Yeah. I mean, it's been good, like I, you know, but it's it's been better than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to have, you know, because there's a lot of people connecting in remotely to our our network at work and i thought this is you know i was afraid it was going to be you know painfully slow and glitchy and in that regard it's been it's been fine just figuring out how to do it with ella here basically is the biggest challenge right because right right (laughs) she doesn't i think a lot of people yeah i think a lot of people are gonna are going through the same thing you are you know they have kids at home whether they're young kids old kids you know dad or mom is home and they think dad and mom is home they don't can't compute that you basically need to act like i'm not here so i can get my work done right yeah so needless to say (laughs) the podcast has kind of been operating the same way is just kind of survival mode sort of for me at least uh you know, just doing the minimum to, to keep things moving forward while we're just trying to figure all this out. But my my boss, because we do daily calls at work, and my boss said she hasn't been tested, but she thinks that she might have the coronavirus just from some of the symptoms and, and things. And uh, both her and her husband have had, like, you know, she she 
she said she hasn't run a fever, but her her husband uh, had a fever. But her her main complaint is loss of uh, smell and taste. Hmm. And uh, that's interesting. <clears throat> what's that? That's interesting. Yeah. So, but they're she said their symptoms aren't bad enough to to warrant you know going out and and being tested. They just both feel crummy and. You know, that that was her biggest complaint. She's continuing to log in and, and work remotely. But she said that somebody at her, her husband's office did test pot. She, he, he works in Cuyahoga County. And, you know, as far as Ohio goes, that's kind of a hot spot. And so right. she thinks they might have it, but doesn't seem to be, you know, impacting them too severely. So on a lighter note to forget about all that and, and uh, think about hunting, talk about hunting. We thought it would be interesting, and I'm particularly interested in this, um, to have a conversation about what to do in the woods when nothing else seems to be working. So everybody, you know, goes into the woods with a game plan. This is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm looking for. Or you've done some scouting. And a lot of times that just falls apart. And so I think, you know, one, learning from those experiences where you, you thought you had it figured out and it didn't, you know, ask yourself why. But, you know, we thought it would be interesting to just kind of talk about that situation. And so, <clears throat> Jeff, I think you have, you know, we, <laughs> we've referred to you in the past as as the hunting this mofo out of the three of us. And so I, I you know, I, I'm particularly interested to hear, you know, what you have to share in this one. Cause <clears throat> a lot of times for me, if it, you know, if it's real, like I'm not seeing anything, no wildlife, I don't feel like I'm even in the time zone. It's like, I'll, I'll just go, I'll just go back to the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the way I approach this was like, the things to do when it's basically between going back to going back home or to the cabin or, you know, trying this kind of, you know, kind of oddball off the wall things that to do when nothing else is going on, you know, nothing else is happening. So might as well try it. Yeah. And the last time I found myself in this scenario was last year, Turkey season. So I'm hoping to not find, well, I don't know, you know, turkey season will, will go on, but whether or not it looks the same as it, you know, has in the past with a group of us getting together at turkey camp may, you know, well, that's yet to be seen, I guess. But I'm hoping to avoid be, being in the situation of nothing works. So in that example, it was, you know, again, talking turkey season here, it was rainy and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, not that great of a turkey hunter to start. Um, side note to that, uh, while you're, you know, locked at home, if you really want to annoy your family, just crank on your turkey calls. I've, <laughs> I've been ordering, I ordered a few more uh, diet <coughs> diaphragm calls and, uh, you know, I've been practicing a little bit and uh you know the family doesn't 
they don't particularly like that sound, especially because our dog <laughs> really uh, does not like when I, I should have brought one up here and I could have, you know, made the most obnoxious sound that I can with that thing for all of your, all of your ear holes. Um, but when I do that, our dog just, she just hates it. <laughs> she just gets to howling and carrying on. And once she gets, once you get her revved up, she just can't quit. And then Amanda's like, okay. You know, she, she just, uh, we've all been cooped up here too long, I think. Yeah, but so anyway. I've been anyhow. driving Amber nuts too. You've been driving Amber nuts? Yeah, with, you know, practicing turkey calls. She, I mean, as soon as I start, she's, she's about done with it. And <laughs> so I, you know, trying to, to get any real practicing in is driving her up a wall. I can't even be outside most of the time because she can hear it and it, you know, drives her nuts. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause, uh, I don't know, somewhere along the way, we bought Ella this pack of whistles from the dollar store. I don't know in a moment of weakness we've regretted it ever since these are like ear piercingly shrill whistles and she just loves to crank on them and it's just it's it's awful it's an awful sound (laughs) and uh so we've told her you gotta go if you want to blow those you gotta go outside and uh i guess another little side story our neighbors have two dogs that just love to bark at at any anything they see anything they just love to bark and now ella loves to go out there and blow the whistles and make the dogs bark and it's it's like a contest to see who's going to give in first because she'll stand out there and just just squeal on those whistles and the dogs just carry on and she's squealing on the whistles and the dogs are carrying on and it's uh from inside, it's not too bad. When you're outside, it's like, <laughs> somebody make it stop. So but, you're uh, saying your neighbors love you? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. This guy, his dogs bark all the time. And so he, it must not bother him. I don't know. And I mean, it's I'm not saying that we let this go on for hours, but, you know, for 10, 15 right. minutes, she'll stand out there and squeal on this whistle. And, you know, the dogs bark and she squeals on the whistle and the dogs bark and they go back and forth. But when I, t- today I was, you know, one of these new turkey calls showed up and uh, I get to tooting on it. And Ella goes, Daddy, you have to go outside if you're going to do that. <laughs> and she's she's very much at the age where, like, she's... uh. Um, she'll, you know, she gives you comebacks, like things that you say to her, right? She gives you a little taste of your own medicine sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, but so it's been fun. But so, yes, back to back on track here. Can you tell we've been cooped up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it was a rainy day, you know, you, that part of the season, you can only hunt till noon, just couldn't get anything to gobble. And so I, I, I sort of did a combo. I, uh, 
of head back to the cabin and, well, I'm just going to try something. Because I was already wet. It started... Jake, were you were you down there that day or was it just... Was it just I Jeff? I think I was down there, if I remember right. I think... I don't know. Was it last year, turkey season? Yeah. I was down there. Yeah. Yeah, I was down there. Yeah. So, nothing working. Started pouring. At this point, <laughs> I'm already soaking wet. So, I guess looking back on it, you know, trying to learn from what I did, I didn't really do anything different. I just kept walking through the woods, making turkey sounds, trying to make something happen but i didn't really want to sit down on the wet ground or so i don't know i just kept kind of heading generally back toward the cabin wandering through the woods making turkey sounds i did <clears throat> i guess i did you know and, and it's easy hindsight's 2020 20. oh yeah i had plans of you know but i did end up at this field that's close to the cabin thinking that possibly the there would be turkeys out in the field because of the rain. You know, the rain had kind of let up, figured they might be out in the field trying to get dried off. The sun hadn't come out or anything, but, and there were turkeys out there and I ended up boogering it up. But, um, I don't know, Jeff, in that scenario, what would you have done differently? I mean, I don't, I don't think you do much different. I, I like to go to fields when it's raining because the, the turkeys, like they don't they get uncomfortable in the woods because they can't hear predators so i i like to go to fields when it's raining well and like i said in hindsight i can say that oh yeah i was headed to this field you know yeah was i or was it just the, the fact that it was kind of on the way back to the cabin probably more likely but so i guess the takeaway though would be in that scenario look for open ground yeah, definitely. Okay, so what else? Do you, anybody have any other turkey stories when things are just not going good? or? Um, that's the story of me turkey hunting. I've never killed a turkey, so <laughs> it never goes good. Um, so I can't even say I'm always looking for a Hail Mary. Uh, no, last year, Dad went with me to kind of because I'd never killed the turkey. So he did my calling and we did have one pretty fired up. We just didn't do our homework and know the terrain. So we were calling to a turkey that couldn't come to us. There was too much junk on the hill between it and us yeah. that we didn't know about until we had already, you know, we called and called and called and it was just hung up, not coming, not coming. So we decided, I guess this is kind of like a Hail Mary. We decided we got to do something. So we tried to move through the field to the other side of the field. And because we were on, it's kind of like a field that runs a ridgetop. Um, I guess it's not kind of like it is. It's a field that runs a ridgetop. We were on one side of the field calling, trying to call them up into the field. And it was stuck down over the other hill. So we tried to move through the field to the edge to be able to see down and see if we could see the bird. And I don't know if it hurt us. Something happened while we were moving. It just was sick of gobbling because it couldn't get to us. It just gave up on us. Who knows? We never saw the bird flush or spook out of there. 
it just by the time we moved and set up again it never gobbled so we kind of took a little bit of a hail mary approach there because we figured we had to do something to try and get on the bird but we never even saw the bird other than when we got over to that other ridge and looked down we definitely knew why the bird never came into the field just from the terrain standpoint right yeah it was just too much it would have had to have went probably 200 yards if we're assuming it was on a road like an old four-wheeler path that was like one ridge down and it probably would have had to go 200 yards down the ridge to have a spot that it could get up it was just too thick okay turkey don't go through that stuff (laughs) so i mean it could have jumped up and flew over it but turkey also doesn't do that (laughs) so it uh yeah just terrain wise so i plan on probably going back to the same ridge because there's been i mean that i didn't kill that gobbler and no one else turkey hunts that ridge so chances are that gobbler or another gobbler is hanging out in that same area this year um so i plan on going to that same ridge and i'll set up on the other side of that field closer and back further where the bird can actually get through and try to call it back the ridge to me where it has an opening to get up to me well interesting like you know because we're kind of on this turkey kick here have you guys listened to the most recent meat eater episode i think it's called goblin their heads off or something like that i haven't well it go ahead jake no it's because i know i hadn't i saw you had said that it covered a lot on turkey hunting but i didn't get a chance to listen to it yet yeah so they they talk with a guy who's done a lot of like um you know uh, gps tagging studies on turkeys and things like that and just if you if any of you listeners haven't listened to that episode like i don't know what the episode number is but i'm pretty sure it's called gobbling their heads off or something like that and you're a turkey hunter i would highly encourage you to listen to that because they talk in one of the really interesting things I found in there is turkeys sort of use the same um, the, the same strategy, if you will, as um, the what is it? The sage grouse that has the lex during during their breeding. The lex are the area where the males go to display for for the females and everything, and, and they sort of defend those areas. He said what they've found is turkeys basically do the same thing, but instead of displaying, displaying visually, when they gobble, that's their sort of sounding off to the other males, if you will, and the females. And, you know, I'm very much paraphrasing this, but they're sort of in their zone and they don't they don't really wander into another male's zone. And so, you know, a lot of times if, you know, you see some of these, you just can't get a turkey to, to come, you know, if you will. Right. One, there's there's the age old, right? We're trying to sort of reverse nature. We're trying to call a tom to a hen, making hen sounds, whereas in nature, the hen goes to the tom. But one of the takeaways I got from that is that could be another reason. Like, that's just not his zone. He, he would be venturing into another Tom's zone to, to come to that call. And he's just not going to do that, you know, because of the established sort of pecking order that, that they've established. 
through time. Hmm. And there's just like a lot of like research backed information about turkeys and their behaviors. And, and, you know, he talked about how they are like super spatially aware, like with these, these, um, collared or not collars, they're, they're putting like radio tags on. I think they're gluing them to the feathers or whatever, but he talked about how they're, you know, they hear a call and they may not come to it right now in, you know, in the next 20 minutes, but a lot of times they will end up in that exact spot where the hunter, you know, cause they did studies where like they had GPS on the hunters as well as on the birds. And so they would see it, you know, a hunter set down, stop moving, you know, and he's making calls and <clears throat> the turkey may not come right away. Two hours later, when he's done with his morning route, he circles back to that spot, like that exact spot, because he cataloged that in his brain and ended up, hey, I'm going to go check out that hen I heard two hours ago sort of thing. Like they are very much spatially aware of where sounds are coming from. Yeah, and that that kind of leads me into one of my strategies is if they're not gobbling, just sit down and call lightly and just wait, you know, because even though they're not gobbling, that doesn't mean that they don't hear you and they're not coming. You know, I wouldn't overdo the calling, but, you know, do a little bit of calling and just, just wait, see what shows up. And that's something I definitely want to try because I, you know, with turkey hunting, like I want to just keep walking until I find one that gobbles and I, I, I'm wondering, I have a hunch if I'm, if I'm not doing that, where like I made a call, the bird heard it, he didn't gobble back, but he may be thinking, oh, I'm, I'll wander over that way, you know, but if I, <coughs> if I hit the call and I don't get a response, I'm, you know, marching on to the next hollow or getting back in the car and driving to, you know, another spot or, you know, instead of just. I know this is a good turkey area. It's got everything they need. I'm just going to set down and see if one wanders by. And not wanders by. That sounds like, you know, by chance. But see if one comes in to to check out the sound without gobbling. Yeah. I mean, that run and gun technique is a lot of fun when it works. You know, just kind of keep putting in the boot leather until you get one gobbling and sit down and call it in but sometimes that doesn't work well and a lot of times i'll like i think another mistake i make is you know i'll hear a gobble and this was another takeaway from that podcast was like i'll hear a gobble and maybe it'll respond you know once or twice and then if he quits in my head at least you know in years past i'm like well he's gone you know, he's, he's done. He's stopped gobbling, you know, and again, I'm on to the next. And I, and I think I really need to just kind of take a, chill, take a chill pill and wait it out, you know, give it some time. He, he's probably on his way, but I've, you know, in the past, I've, I'm wondering if I've screwed that up. Yeah. I've found a lot of times, you know, the Turkey that I have gobbling the most are, they're only basically gobbling because they hear me, but they're hung up on something. They can't figure out how to get to me 
or they're in a clearing or something where they want to be to strut and they're waiting for me to get to them. You know, the, the ones that actually come in gobble less. Right. You know, I've had them come walking all the way in gobbling every 30 seconds. I mean, I've had that, but I've also had them gobble a few times and, you know, walk their way in from, you know, when I've seen them from a long distance, you know, they they gobble maybe three, four times and they're traveling, you know, 200 yards, you know, right. going all the way, you know, coming all the way down a ridge. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm going to try when things uh, seem like they're not going well this this spring any other that so that's sort of you know where i think i've made mistakes in the past and i'm you know things that i'm going to try differently any any other strategies for turkey hunting jeff do you have anything else or should we do we want to move to deer hunting or some other type of uh hunting probably the only other kind of thought i have is uh you know, now that Ohio has afternoon hunting in the later part of the season, uh, don't discount going out for an evening sit. You know, the turkey are typically gobbling a whole lot less. But if you set up on a clearing, there's a good chance that, you know, Tom will walk through and, you know, we'll, we'll respond to your call, um, you know, and come in. Because especially if you're doing, you know, like, cluck like feeding calls you know less yelping and more like feeding calls and clucking you know because they want to come in find where those hens are and you know either get a bite to eat or if they're receptive breed them right yeah that's that's one i've i have not hunted i don't think i've hunted any of the afternoons you know we typically hunt that earlier part of the season and then i that's another thing i guess i want to change this year is if i don't you know we do our trip to the cab and if i don't get it done there i want to try to you know hunt locally and and utilize more of the season this year to to you know up my odds of getting a turkey this year if possible of course but uh that's another thing so I guess a couple, like a couple takeaways, right? For turkey hunting, just because they're not gobbling doesn't mean they're not coming. So sit and be patient. Um, stay in the woods, right? And that that's that's for if they're not gobbling during the day, or you know when you get into that later part of the season, you've got those those evenings, those afternoons, which I keep hearing again and again, you know, like. If you can get a bird to gobble, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon, that's a bird that's killable. Like, there's a good chance you can get that bird to come in because he's done his morning thing. He's tended to all the hens that he's aware of, you know, whatever the case may be. And now he's receptive to going to check out this other hen that he didn't know about. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, any, any other, like sort of to, to put a bow on turkey hunting, stay in the woods. They're not, if they're not gobbling, doesn't mean they're not coming. Anything else? 
well, this is just more of a big mistake that I've made. You know, a, a big lesson I had to learn was um, don't overcall and don't call too loudly. You know, I a gobble's a pretty loud noise, and I always kind of felt that I had to match that that volume. And a lot of times, if you're matching the the volume of the gobbles, the turkey, the tom thinks you're way closer than you are. So it stops coming in and it starts looking around to see where you're at. Right. So that, that was a big lesson I had to learn. So that's just a little piece of advice. Okay. So you guys want to move on to deer hunting then? When things are not going good for deer hunting? Yeah, yeah that um, sounds good to me. So, one, you know, stay in the woods. That's a, that's a, <laughs> so we, you know, we always have this saying, um, especially down at the cabin, you know, you can't kill him from the couch. So that is sort of probably a universally um, good piece of advice. When things aren't working, just stay out there. You know, you might, uh, now, granted, I guess with deer hunting, I'll, I'll put the caveat on there. If you're hunting a specific deer and you're, you know, you're after that one big buck, you know, you hear guys talk, the, the wind switch, the wind didn't do, you know, you're better to just get out of there and try again another day. But if you're just out deer hunting, like, stay out there. You know, I guess is sort of a universally good piece of advice or if if the stand that i guess to go back to the you know you're hunting a specific deer if the wind switches and you have another option for stands go sit that you know instead of going home you could go sit that other stand that the wind's more favorable for so you could kind of apply that stay in the woods um tip guideline <laughs> piece of advice whatever you want to call it in that way, right? Because, I mean, you can't kill them from the couch. <laughs> okay, we need to pause here quickly and talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Whitetail Grub, if, you, if you're new to the podcast, Monster Whitetail Grub has been with us for quite a long time now, and there's a reason for that. It's a good company, it's a good group of guys, and they make a good product. We've had very good success with the product, they have their traditional monster whitetail grub feed, which is a, is a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. They also have just straight mineral. I know a lot of guys like to run mineral in the springtime. And then they also have flavored corn. So it kind of turns your standard corn into like a long-range attractant because it's it's got a very aromatic scent added to it. So lots of options. Like I said, they're an Ohio company, so they try to get everything from Ohio, their their ingredients that go into their feed, even the packaging that they sell their, their product in. So good company, good product. It helps to support us. So lots of good, <laughs> lots of good to go around. So check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and there will be a link there on how to get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And with that, Let's jump back into the conversation. Yeah, so. I mean, I, my, uh, 
along kind of that same vein, I guess, is stay in the woods. And when it's not working, I guess don't don't overanalyze it. Just, I mean, use your experience and knowledge of what deer do and don't do um, to try and come up with plan B. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, you come up with the perfect plan in your head. And then it just doesn't play out, but deer are deer and they do what they do. And if you've spent any time in the woods, you have some sort of a catalog of what deer do when they do it, how they do it. Um, so have like a knowledgeable backup plan or come up with a knowledgeable backup plan versus just blindly stumbling through the woods. Um, especially if it's somewhere that you're hunting regularly. I mean, if it's a one-time trip to, you know, whatever public land somewhere you're never coming back to, then throw out the Hail Mary. But if it's woods that you're going to be hunting for a few days after that, or coming back a week later or whatever, you don't necessarily want to just blindly stumble all through the woods. So I guess that's kind of my thing. Do you have a like a scenario, an example, you could, a story you could regale us with? Um, well, you know, I don't sit still very well. So, um, <laughs> I'm more on the time where I blow the woods up when I shouldn't. Um, but basically I, I guess it's a near miss, I guess we'll call it. I had just this last bow season, I had a perfect plan in place I'm going to go hunt this ridge top and, you know, it's a buck sign everywhere. And it was our rut trip. So it was around the rut and I set up in my climber stand and I saw a few does, no bucks. And at that time I was telling myself, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm only going to shoot bucks. I'm not going to shoot does. So I think it was the first day of our rut weekend down at the cabin um and i wasn't seeing any bucks saw a couple small does so i was like okay well this isn't what i wanted i can't sit here anymore and then i kind of told myself like all right well, i'm gonna try to move real slow and i know they're here they gotta be here and i uh i did basically they were i just wasn't patient enough um i mean i don't know that it was a buck versus a doe but when i got down and started moving through what i knew was the bedding area and trying to move to a different tree i jumped a big body deer at least i didn't see if it was a buck or a doe but it was a big deer out of there um so it was one of those things where it was a learning experience like Yes, the deer were doing what I thought they were going to do. I just didn't wait long enough or maybe that day they weren't going to come by my stand, but they were there. You know, I trust your instinct, trust your sign reading. The deer are there. Um, So in that case, I busted that deer out of there and I never, never to be seen again by me. But, um, you know, it was a situation where it was like, well, after it all happened, it's like, well, I was right. The deer are here. (laughs) I just blew it up. So, um, that's the thing for me. Like if it's, 
kind of go back to the mindset of if it's all not going right, you have to remember you are trying to pinpoint a deer to walk by, basically walk by an exact tree in the woods, which is sometimes easier said than done. Yep. You may be close and not even know it. Right. That's the one. Yeah. That's, uh, I, one thing I've done over the years to like help myself with that is I always tell myself like, oh, they're just right over there. They're just, I just need to, you know, they're, they're going to come out any, any minute, you know, they're just right over there. You know, I'm always telling myself like, oh, I, they're, they're just that little roll right there. They're just right over there. I just know it, you know, and a lot of times they're not. But it's a, you know, sort of a, a mental, you know, if you can keep your head in it, if you can keep yourself convinced that like you're in the game, then you can sit there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Makes a big difference. Sometimes though, you get, you know, you get, I post, you know, again, being stuck at home, you know, you end up having some weird conversations and I, I posted about, you know, what's the coldest you've ever been? Cause I, you know, I was, <laughs> I was having a conversation with Amanda about like, you know, <clears throat> cause she doesn't hunt. Um, you know, she's participated in some like snow sports, you know, but, but not intentionally sitting still out in the cold for long periods of time, you know? And so I, I was kind of poking at her and, and Ella, like, I don't think you guys even really know what it's like to be, really cold i don't know that you've ever been truly cold you know and and (laughs) of course we went down went down the rabbit trail but uh sometimes with that you know i end up you know freezing my rear end off because i'm like oh i just gotta i just gotta stick it out a little longer just gotta stick it out a little longer you know and then by (laughs) by the time it gets dark or whatever my feet are just frozen bricks and it takes you know the whole drive home to get them warmed back up or you know whatever but yeah similar not being cold but being miserable on along the same line last year um opening day my opening day hunt or i don't know if it was, ex- was exactly opening day my first time out in the woods it was either opening day or the day after um i was hunting out at our grandpa's farm and i was hunting back basically back in this swampy area and I know it's like, you know, the, the old saying or, you know, the old adage, you know, swamp donkeys. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a big one back here. You know, they live back here in the swamp. I got chewed up by so many mosquitoes because it was warm. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my God, they, they were literally, like, carrying me away. And I just kept telling myself, like, just sit still. There's there's big deer back here. I know there's big deer back here. Just sit still. And it just, I just ended up sitting through misery, getting chewed up by mosquitoes. And yeah. then of course, never saw a deer. Cause I'm sitting here swatting at mosquitoes all night. <laughs> it was absolutely miserable. I will not go back there until it is below freezing because yeah. the mosquitoes are unbearable back there. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember that we, cause I was on the other side of the property and I, they were bad where I was, but not nearly as bad as it doesn't sound like at least as bad as where you were. I mean, I was near water, but it was moving, moving water. 
And so, I, you know, I don't think it, they were nearly as bad. But even I was suffering, you know, so I've got to imagine you yeah. were just... <laughs> it, was, a, it was horrible. A, uh, oh, what's that called? You know, flight, flight... Oh, why am I blanking on that? Flight control, you know, direct air traffic, traffic control. Air, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I looked like I was trying to land some jets. That's for sure. Swinging my <laughs> arms around. No, yeah, that was one of those like hindsight. At the end of the night, I'm like, I should have climbed out of that tree the minute I climbed up there. Before I even got to the tree, they were eating me. Yeah. I'm like, I should have just left. That's just complete misery. Which I guess that's my next tip or point um don't torture yourself hunting's supposed to be fun (laughs) you know on some level i mean obviously during the rut sitting you know a full day sit like that can be kind of miserable at times but there's big reward that pays off at times but like at the end of the day it's supposed to be something we enjoy so (laughs) if you're not enjoying it then do something else try something different like you don't want it to be miserable. Yeah. So Jeff, what do you have to add? What do you do when it when things aren't going good deer hunting? My my biggest one is, you know, if nothing's happening, if you know, you're just sitting there, especially during the rut or early season, um don't be afraid to just blind call. I mean, if there's no deer around you, you can't scare them away anyways. So might as well just try to blind call, you know, early in the season. If you're doe hunting, um, blind calling with a fawn bleat can be very effective. You know, you can call them in from quite far away. And then during the rut, you know, just about any deer noise can bring a buck in. So what's your, do you have like a, and maybe you don't have it down to this level, but like, do you have a, I'm going to call every 15 minutes. I'm going to call once an hour. Do you you have like a strategy like that or just whenever, whenever it feels right? Uh, Yeah, I don't, I mean, with the, with the fawn bleat, I like to, to do that. You know, I'll do a couple fawn bleats every 30 minutes or so. Um, during the rut, it's just whenever it feels right, you know, Sometimes I just am basically constantly, you know, making noise, you know, rattling or grunting or other times, you know, I'll kind of go for, you know, maybe five minutes making some some deer noises and then I'll, you know, wait for for an hour and see if anything happens, you know, just before I get out of the stand, you know, last like, oh, I'm going to stay another hour, you know, and I'll make some some grunts or rattles or whatever. And then, you know, wait that last hour out and see what happens. Yeah. And one th- the reason I ask about the time interval is because I I try to give myself some sort of a time interval and actually like check my phone. OK, it's whatever, you know, 3.30. I'm going to give it a half hour before I call, you know, because especially when things are slow you're like oh it's it it had to been at least a half hour probably 45 minutes and you actually check your you know it's been 10 minutes or something and so you know i i always am afraid to like 
overcall in those scenarios. So I, I, that is one thing I try to do is like give myself a time interval, like, okay, I'm going to call and then I'm going to wait. And, uh, just to, just to keep myself, keep myself in check, I guess, but just instead of sitting out there tooting on a call, like the Pied Piper. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with success, but my buck from last year was 100% blind calling and what I would probably would have thought to be over calling, but it was the right time of year. And if you have a curious buck or uh, you fire one up, they do some pretty dumb stuff. You yeah, know? that was so I, rut, right? What, yeah, it was the rut. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I... I had pretty much given up on the hunt because it was getting to be time to go. And I was like, well, I don't know, nothing's happening. And I'm just going to rattle and blow on my grunt call and just practice calling and making noise and whatever. I was pretty much done. It was the last 15 minutes before I was ready to get out of my blind. Right. So I was just, I don't want to say totally screwing around, but kind of just screwing around. <laughs> And next thing I know that, I mean, he came in hundred miles an hour basically because he wanted to know what he just couldn't handle it. He had to come see what was going on. Yeah. So do you I guys mean, it ever, was, it was to the point you, where I had my rattling antlers and, you know, I had my rattling antlers and, you know, buck fever, it all happens fast, but I, you know, like, I don't even know. I made a noise to stop him. I wasn't even holding my bow. I was holding the rattling antlers. <laughs> so he stopped. And then I like dropped the antlers, made another noise. He took a couple steps and looked at me again, which gave me a chance to get the bow. It was, but yeah, he was, he was definitely fired up. Yeah. So do you guys ever, you know, when things are slow, do you ever get down and walk still, you know, like try to, still hunt or you know slowly work your way through the woods do you ever use that as a tactic when things don't seem to be going right i definitely do probably to a fault i do too much walking i don't sit still um and i've jumped deer trying to do what i think is still hunting or moving slow enough i'm not moving slow enough but i thought i was and i've bumped deer or jumped deer um during gun season especially i try to you know, if I'm on my tree or whatever, because we don't hunt on a elevated stands down at our cabin during gun season, it's just a little too dangerous with people doing deer drives and moving around through the woods. But um, there's been times where I've left my tree and kind of went on a walkabout, so to speak. And not far from my tree, I've jumped deer up and it was at, again, one of those hindsight things. Yeah. After I bust the deer out, it's like, I should have been ready. I should have known I was going to jump a deer out of here. Of course yeah. there's deer here. That's why I was hunting over there, because I knew there was deer here. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Jeff, how about you? Yeah. Typically, I only, I mean, especially during bow, during gun season, I'll walk the woods and still hunt, still hunt all the time. Um, but during bow season... Um, typically I only will do that if conditions are right. Um, basically if there's something 
to cover up my noise. If there's a pretty heavy wind, you know, I'll walk into the wind. That way I know my sense going the other direction and that my sound is being covered up by the wind. And then if the ground's wet, if it's currently raining or if it's recently rained, you know, I'll creep through the woods. And I've I've had a lot more luck with the if it's recently rained than the wind. Um, I think the deer are a lot more wary when it when the wind's blowing and they they catch me way further out. Um, but for some reason, when it's rained um, and the woods are quiet because of that, you know, I can sneak through pretty quietly and have been able to get on deer. And typically you, you jump them up and then they take that one last second to look to see what exactly just scared them. And that's when your shot opportunity is. Yeah, that's that's basically my strategy as well when the conditions are right. And those are sort of my criteria as well on a windy day where, you know, the crunching can be covered by the wind because there, I mean, I used to be so afraid to make any noise in the woods, you know, but like leaves rustling or, or, you know, something moving around in the woods is deer hear that all the time. And so it's not terribly alarming to them you know, they might, uh, you know, take note of it and say, oh, you know, I hear something over there, but you're not going to blow them out of the, out of the area until they've typically what I find is until they've confirmed with another one of their senses, like they've seen you or they smell you. And even a lot of times, I think if they, if they hear you and see you, if you're, you know, heading away from them or not getting too terribly close to them you know i think they'll a lot of times they'll just sit tight and so i don't know i'm not as afraid of moving around in the woods making some noise especially if there's something to kind of mask like you said that that wind cover or rain you know when if the if the woods are wet if the woods are just crunchy quiet and the leaves are dry like I, I don't bother, right? I, I try to make as little noise as I can get into my stand, and if nothing's happening, then, you know, because you're, you're just not going to walk up on a deer and get a shot, in, in my opinion. But I will, in those conditions, if it's, you know, especially, like, after a rain, you know, I like to walk around a little bit because, one, I feel like I can, I can move through the woods pretty quietly, and, I don't know, a lot of times I don't want to, go sit in the dripping woods. I would rather kind of be walking around instead of sitting in one spot, getting dripped on. I walk around and get dripped on. I don't know. It's just a (laughs) personal preference, I guess. But uh, yeah, that is one thing that I, I, and I was sitting here, you know, while you guys were talking, I was sitting here trying to think if I've, if I've done that successfully and I can't think of an example, can't think of an example where i've done that successfully um but i you know i have walked up on you know kind of kicked deer up and i just i don't i'm trying to think if i've ever really had a situation where you know i had a good opportunity for a shot and i'm not thinking of any but yeah 
So maybe it's not a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So anything else? Stay in the woods we talked about. You know, if, if one stand sort of blows up because the wind's not doing what you're doing, if you have another stand, you know, stay in the, you know, go to that stand as, as your, that other stand as your attempt to stay in the woods because you can't kill them from the couch. Uh, maybe that's what we should call this one. You can't kill them from the couch. <laughs> Sounds good um, to me. But, uh, yeah. you know, do some, try, you know, try some still hunting. We talked about blind calling. If, if, you know, if you're sitting there and nothing's going on, you're, you're not going to hurt anything. Anything else you guys use? Jeff, you got anything else? I don't think I have any other real deer strategies. I mean, if it's if it's real slow, obviously, um, you know, I think this probably goes without saying, but partner up with a buddy and try to push each other deer. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of goes without saying. That's kind of a strategy all in itself. This one I just thought of, it was sort of along the lines of stay in the woods, um, take a nap. I've, I've used that one before. Nothing's going on. I'm, I'm just going to, I got up early. I'm just going to take a nap. And, you know, I, I, uh, this was another, uh, stay at home order conversation about, you know, being out in the cold and like, well, I'm cold, but I'm just going to, cause I've, I've before pulled my arms out of the sleeves in my jacket and pulled them inside just like the main body of my jacket and laid down and taken a nap in the woods and Amanda did like that. She's like, well, if you were cold, why didn't you just go back? Like, why didn't you just stop? <laughs> so well, you can't, you can't kill him from the couch. She's like, but you were, you can't kill him sleeping. I was like, well, I, you know, I tell myself I can, like, I'm going to hear him <laughs> rustling uh, through the leaves and I'll wake up and, and, uh, you know, that's one way to sit still. Yeah. Serves multiple purposes. Right. So I have used that before. And that one I do think I've uh, used successfully as a kid. Um, I mean, just like, I guess maybe as a way to force myself to stay in the woods. And I can't honestly, you know, if you hooked me up to a lie detector, I couldn't honestly say that, oh, I woke up because I heard a deer. But, you know, I have taken a nap and then woken up and had a shot at a deer after I woke up from my nap, you know, shortly thereafter waking up. So. Oh, I can, if you hooked me up to a lie detector test, I can tell you the first deer I ever saw in the woods, I was napping and I woke up and it was 15 yards in front of me stomping. See, so it works. So it works. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it works. It's a good way to, Yeah. Because you you don't move at all. I, I guess if you're like a sleepwalker, maybe you do. But in theory, <laughs> if you're taking a nap on a tree, you're not moving. So as a kid, especially, it's a good way to sit still. You just got to have someone to wake you up or something to wake you up when the deer show up. It's harder in a tree stand, though. Do you guys nap in a tree stand? Well, you're in a climber, uh, Jake, so you could probably do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've dozed off. See, I'm in, just in a hang-on, and I, I mean, I've got my harness and everything on, but it wouldn't take much to kind of tip over and to, you know, tip out of that tree stand. 
Yeah, I've uh, I've slept in a two person ladder stand before, and that's you know no big deal. There's not yeah. much risk of falling there. And uh, one time when I was really tired, I in a one person just like platform ladder stand, I took a ratchet strap. Well, not a ratchet strap, but like a I don't even know what kind of it's a ratchet strap without a ratchet just has like the the clasp those cam buckle yeah that's the word yeah i took one of those and i put around my waist like a seatbelt and tightened it up so like (laughs) so i couldn't fall out you know like there was no possible way and went to sleep that's good i'll have to think i'll have to remember that carry an extra strap or a piece of rope or something and tie myself (laughs) tie myself into the tree yeah. All right. Well, that was a good, uh, some good stories in there, and and hopefully mm-hmm. some helpful, helpful tips. Um, I got, got I got one? some squirrel, I got some squirrel hunting tips. Let's hear them, man. All right. Well, the first one, I I think you guys, I, Dad showed me this trick, and I. I don't know if I believe it works that much, but it, it, I don't, you know, it may just be by chance, but you, did dad ever show you guys the, the two quarter trick to squirrels? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, but, uh, rub, uh, cause the quarter has ridges around the edges. Right. Rubbing that together to make like a, um, a cutting sound, if you will, a squirrel cutting. Yeah, like a like like they're they're gnawing on a on a nut. Yeah. Yeah, and I I can't say it's worked, but I've you know sat down and tried it before, and then spotted squirrels you know shortly after. So if nothing else is working, you're not seeing any squirrels. You might as well try it. I need to remember to bring two quarters with me. Is my problem. Um, right. Yeah. The, the other, I've seen a, I saw a, and this, I don't know, I saw a vidya online of somebody saying that you could rub, you know, because shotgun shells have ridges on them. And you could, more specifically, they were using empty shotgun shells because they're hollow and they, you know, you can kind of get that reverberation from that, that hollow cup. But basically rubbing, same concept, rubbing shotgun shells together to try to, make that noise and i've played around with it um it 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 doesn't sound right to me but you know i guess you could try it didn't have anything else to do yeah and those shotgun shells with the ridges are becoming less and less common i find oh okay you know more and more often now they're smooth they're completely smooth you know i think a lot of the ones that have ridges are old shells now. You know, that's okay. old stock. Well, but yeah, that's keep, keep your ridged shot your, your yeah. shotgun shells in. Yeah, yeah. All right, what other turkey or turkey? I got turkey hunting on the brain. Mm-hmm. What other squirrel hunting tips you got? Uh, another one that I kind of do is, I mean, on days where you're just not seeing anything is set up on a deer trail you know hunt 
pick a spot that you think will be good for deer and sit there because when you're deer hunting, you always see squirrels. So I just kind of reversed that logic and well, I, how about I just pretend that I'm deer hunting or find a good deer hunting spot and see if a squirrel comes by and seems to work, you know, especially, uh, like thick cover. Like if there's an area where there's thick cover and there's like one deer trail going through it, you know, if you set up on the end of that, because the squirrels will use that deer trail to get through that, you know, thick briar patch or whatever, and you can catch them coming out of there. I mean, you probably won't have your most successful day of squirrel hunting, yeah. you know, doing that, but you already weren't having a very successful time. <laughs> right. So you might as well come home with something. Yeah. 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 That's an, that's another good one. Yeah. I like the, you know, the logic of, um, you know, basically act like you're hunting deer because that, that is, you know, (laughs) there's all kinds of memes about like squirrels messing up your deer hunt or, you know, squirrels sounding like the big giant buck or whatever. And, you know, it's true. I, you know, it seems like you always see a ton of squirrels while you're deer hunting and you go squirrel hunting and you can't find a stinking squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a, a a kind of a wacky fishing thing that I do too, that might someone might take interest in. You know, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of kayak fishing, um, so I typically keep my you know the lures that I'm taking with me to a to a minimum. You know, I just typically take a couple of soft baits, or you know, I I I have a game plan. I'll take you know a pack of these you know, certain soft baits, you know, maybe three different packs of soft baits. I don't have a lot of variety to choose from. Right. Well, you know, you're way out in the lake or whatever, and you're not catching anything. So I kind of will sit there and modify the soft baits that I have. You know, I'll take a pocket knife and, you know, I'll kind of like cut strips into the tail of the soft bait to, you know, make it have a different action or, um, I've even taken a Sharpie and drawn on like my soft baits to make them look different, have a different, you know, appearance. And yeah, I, it seems to, to work sometimes, especially cutting the tail to make it have, you know, a different kind of movement, especially, you know, I do a lot of crappie fishing and, uh, I think, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the crappie like the falling of the bait more than the lateral movement. So how that bait acts in the water without you, you know, putting any movement on it can really change a lot of, uh, whether the crappie bites or not, you know, whether it likes it or not. So what I do I, when I'm fishing and, and things are slow is, is I just break out the true motion lure and it's game yeah, over. Yeah. True motion lure and a fishing pole. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do they still sell those? Can you buy those somewhere? I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. I hope they do, man. They had such a good infomercial or whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody had true motion lures. I don't know that I've ever caught a fish on one, but 
Yeah, very rarely, very rarely. They had a great, uh, great little song there. Yeah. I think they played on like the outdoor channels. Right. Every commercial break for the for the entire summer one year. Yeah. But all right, any other uh, tips, fishing tips, squirrel tips for when things are not working? No, I think those are, you know, probably my wackiest tips I have there. All right. Those ones at the end there. All right. Well, that'll work. I think that's a good place to to yeah. leave it then. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things go well for all all of you, and <clears throat> you don't find yourself in these these scenarios where things aren't going well. But if you do, you know maybe there's something helpful in there or some little uh, tidbit of info you could use. And I think with that, we'll we'll uh, switch it off here hopefully uh everybody's staying healthy staying safe and uh talk to you next week okay so that's going to do it for this week hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation hopefully there was something in there that uh might help you this spring in the turkey woods or this coming fall in the deer woods and like I said, Jeff had a few uh, hot tips there for squirrel hunting and, and fishing. So if uh, nothing's else, nothing else is working, that's your time to, uh, you know, try something that, uh, you know, maybe you heard somewhere or you thought, why not, right? What's it going to hurt? Nothing else is working, so let's give this a try. So... At the very least, hopefully the conversation was entertaining and uh, it was worth your time. So, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Continue to share the episodes. If you're not already subscribed, I encourage you to subscribe. That way you get automatically notified when there's new episodes. And follow us on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And we're always sharing relevant news and and interesting things we just shared uh, the latest news this will be old news by the time you guys hear this but when I'm recording this um, pretty recent news about the uh, the division of wild the ODNR suspending the sale of non-resident licenses um, until this coronavirus thing is uh over so that kind of thing trying to keep everybody up to date and aware of uh relevant news and conservation things related to ohio so if you're interested in that like i said follow us on social and subscribe and with that i will let you get back to your day thanks for listening